Greetings, everyone. Today, my guest is Brad Tilden. For the past nine years, Brad has been the CEO of Alaska Airlines. Brad just recently stepped down from that role. Welcome, Brad. Thank you very much, Dean Hodge. I'm uh, so happy to be here with you today. Yeah, I'm glad we can spend some time together. Brad, many of our listeners are students who are just starting their careers. They probably can't imagine what it must feel like to look back over a long, successful career. You are now in that position. What really sticks out to you as key transitions? So not accomplishments, but transitions in your career. You know, it, it is true, um, Frank. It's, uh, I just turned 60 and I'm retiring from Alaska Airlines and it is a chance to look back. And uh, I, I, there's been so many, but I, I will just tell you, I look back and I feel blessed. I, uh, I mean, a little bit of my own story is I grew up in uh, Normandy Park, right near SeaTac Airport. I was a paper boy and I worked at the Arby's in Burien, which I still go to for lunch. And uh, I was a Boy Scout camp counselor. I went to PLU for undergraduate worked in the dorms. I worked on board Amtrak trains and then Price Waterhouse, as you know, for uh, eight years. I mean, obviously, if I, if I had to put a point on one, moving to Alaska Airlines was the biggest transition. I, I like public accounting. I, I love Price Waterhouse. I thought I might stay there and attempt to make partner and spend my whole career there. But, uh, but deciding to leave and join the airline business, in my case, was a good, I was a pilot. And in my case, that turned out to be a great, a, a good move. Brad, was that a transition that came to you or did you go looking for that transition? You know, uh, a lot of your, uh, in the, the, the students may not know, but public accounting is, it's a fantastic career. And, um, and I really, really liked it. I like being in the different clients and sort of, you could walk into a place and get a feel for the people and the culture and the strategy. In that space, you do get a fair number of job offers, but I, mm. I never returned the phone calls. I, I was happy at Pricewaterhouse, but I, I had learned to fly in the summers of my 18th and 19th years. And when it was Alaska Airlines, I remember slamming the door shut and, uh, and uh, getting down there for an interview as quickly as I could. So that it did come to me. And the, the real story there is there was a woman named Tammy Helgeson, who I'm pretty sure is a graduate from UW, that she was my year at Price Waterhouse. She had left PW three or four years before me and, and had gone to Alaska Airlines. And uh, she was going to become a mom and actually stay home and raise the baby, babies. And she just said, hey, Brad, I know you're a pilot. I thought there's a chance this might appeal to you. Do you want to come interview for my job, uh, you know, as I, as I leave it? And uh, anyway, and I know she's had fun, fun telling people in the years since, you know, had I stayed in Alaska, I'd be the CEO, you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's, how, that's how it happened. As we're talking about transitions, I wanted to get your thoughts on how one does transitions well. And by this, I mean, how does one stay focused on their current position while also looking and taking advantage of opportunities that come their way? Well, you know, I, what I tell a lot of young people when they, when they're, when they ask is I, I sort of think that loyalty to a place is underrated. And I, I didn't do a lot, spend a lot of time thinking about the next job when I was in the one that I was in. Even if, even if you were with a boss that you didn't love at the moment or the company was going through a little bit of a challenge, I always thought, you know, sticking with it and sort of getting through, working through that issue with the boss or working through that rough patch, it, I, I liked it. And um, honestly, at Alaska, I haven't looked for, I haven't looked, I haven't, my eyes have not been outward focused really at all. Um, 
and I'm not sure if that's good advice or bad advice, but I, I personally think people are happier that way. You have ups and downs in any, any part of life you'll have. Getting an under, undergraduate degree, there'll be good classes and good quarters and bad ones. But I, I think just sticking with it, it doesn't mean you, um, you, you, it doesn't mean you settle or tolerate something you don't like. You make it better. You know, if, uh, if you don't like the way UW is in terms of how they're including a certain group, get involved and change that. Or if you don't like the way your employer is doing something in the finance department, you know, decide that you're going to be part of the solution. Anyway, that's not a really a direct answer to a transition question, but it is how I've sort of thought about my job. Do you have an example, Brad, of when you didn't do a transition well? Like in my own life, I was really blessed. I worked with Bill Ayer, who's a huge supporter of the University of Washington. He's on the board right now. He was my sort of mentor, and he's the guy that developed me. And my own transitions here happened well. I, certainly as a boss, I have fantastic examples of me not helping people that reported to me well. And typically the mistake I made there, Frank, was not being as direct as I, mm. people need direct feedback to, to improve. And, uh, and I, I always thought with adults and all of your students, you're, you're adults now, right? Even, uh, I would like, it doesn't, just because the boss is giving you feedback doesn't mean the boss is right, but you deserve to hear what that boss thinks and you deserve to have the chance to think about it. And, some of the mistakes I made sort of in those transitions, you might say as a boss was, was not uh, getting a little wound up, getting nervous. Because I got nervous, I didn't give the feedback I probably needed to give early enough. And then something that escalates and it becomes bigger than it should be. Well, one of the things we really push at the Foster School is for everyone to have a growth mindset. And it sounds like that's what you're advocating for. Just be honest and truthful and transparent with people and let them learn from the feedback so that they can be better tomorrow than they are today. You know, the way I thought about that, Frank, was like, I think in academia is, uh, or school is like, I, I, I was a so-so student in high school. In college, I sort of realized I could perform well, and I, I, I liked that. I decided that I would like getting good grades, and I sort of worked hard on that for a while. But then as I transitioned into a professional life, I realized the goal should not be to get all A's. The goal should be on a high growth. Your goal should be to be in a high growth environment all the time. And, uh, and probably that should have been my goal in school, to be, be honest. But I, I just don't, don't. But I, I think people are going to have better careers if they don't put their boss in a situation where they got to have a great performance review every time. Put your boss in a situation where you just say, I want to grow. I want to learn. I want to be the best person I can be. I want to help my business as much as I can. You, and if, if those are your goals, you'll be successful. And, uh, and that's, I don't know, it might not feel as good on that one performance review, but over your life, you'll grow. Yeah, it's certainly living that growth mindset. Yeah. Yeah. Brad, if I do a Google search on your name, I see all kinds of accomplishments and awards. Is there an accomplishment that you are proud of that was not public that perhaps our listeners would not be aware of? Yeah, I, I, I am so proud of so many things, but it, it's, I'm, I'm so proud of the people at Alaska for the things that they've done over the years. And, and it's uh, a lot of that stuff you will see if you do a little search of Alaska Air Group. But one that I'm really proud of that would not be there is just sort of the growth of the leaders that I've been around. Um, and I'll give you two or three examples. Our um, chief commercial officer is, a, is an Aussie. He's from Melbourne, Australia. He started with KPMG when he was 17 years old. 
uh, worked, came to the United States, worked several KPMG offices around the US, uh, came to us as an internal audit and a pretty strong-minded, heavy compliance internal auditor. But, but then he did, uh, grew from there to financial planning and analysis and from there to network planning and from there to marketing. And that was a, like advertising. That was like a big, and he's, he, he's a crazy, passionate, strong, uh, strong opinion person, but he's, he's just fantastic to be around. Our employees love hearing him talk, but, but watching uh, this internal auditor become the chief commercial officer, I'm proud of that. Our, our CFO uh, started as an, an analyst in what we used to call the properties and facilities department. It really managed our leases at the various airports and, and whether we needed to change a janitorial contract in a building or something like that. But he went from there to all over, but uh, revenue management, financial planning and analysis, labor relations. He's now chief financial officer and he's, he's, uh, he's young. He's an EMBA, uh, Shane Tackett, an EMBA graduate from several years ago. Um, just, he, he's very, very, very smart. He's got his, he keeps his wits about him. He's cool headed, employees, employees trust him. Ben Minicucci, the guy that's going to succeed me, was uh, was a, a staff vice president in the maintenance department, and uh, just grew from there. To we had some problems with our Seattle operation 15 years ago, and he took the lead on those and has done one thing and then another. But that's stuff you don't really read about. But that's honestly the the when I'm in the rocking chair when that day comes and sort of looking back, it's we had so much fun. It's why I got into education, Brad, what you're describing is developing people. It's inspiring and enabling people to achieve levels of performance they wouldn't necessarily on their own. And I think that is so rewarding. And to me, that's what you're describing. Given Alaska's focus on addressing environmental impact issues, what initiative in that particular area are you most proud of? Most of my career, we've been on, if you look at the chart of sort of fuel emissions per passenger or some metric like that, We've been number one or number two in the industry, and it's because we've flown modern aircraft with more fuel-efficient engines. We've flown bigger aircraft that are more efficient on a per-passenger basis. We were early to put winglets on the on the ends of the wing tips, which gave us another three or four percent. We totally embraced uh, like the ways of uh, air navigation, so using using software to help us avoid traffic or weather, or to fly with the right winds, and uh, and and sort of give our pilots the best routings. GPS navigation, which I know you're a pilot yourself. You, you've probably flown with a lot of this stuff. We've, we've been leaders with all of that stuff. And I'm really proud of all of those things. And our people in flight operations did all of that. I want to go back, Brad, to that growth mindset concept, because the CE role, the top role in a company can sometimes be a bit lonely. And I want to ask you as a CEO, so you were CEO at Alaska Airlines for nine years. How did you continue to grow as a leader during that time period? Yeah. You know, it's, it's like when you go into the job, you worry about that. You say, man, do I have the right experience for this job? Or how am I going to um, continue to grow and develop? And I mean, there's honestly, I, I bet my, I felt some insecurity around it. And I bet others did as well. But I think the most important thing, you're, you're, when you come to work in the morning, work is going to offer you those growth opportunities and i think the important thing is just to be listening to them and to um and to, to make sure make make sure you're listening and responding 
I made myself a couple of notes. The whole racial equity conversation that most most organizations have dealt with in the last year. That issue comes up. And I'll just tell you at Alaska, black employees that were friends of mine said, Hey Brad, I I haven't thought a lot about this before this, but I don't want my children out running at night, or I don't want my kids driving a car, a chance they'll get pulled over at night. Or we had a terrific uh, vice president of flight operations that retired several years ago and he wrote me and just said, I'm he said, I, I just feel really different this time. It, it sort of bothered, it's my whole sense. And, and so as a leader, you can, um, like, that's a growth opportunity for you, right? It's like, uh, do I let the corporate communications department send me something that I put my name on and send out? Or do I, that's a messy path to go down. Or, or do you allow yourself to go down that path? And especially a leader that's, a, a, for, that's honestly a white male, comes from a very privileged background. Do you allow yourself to learn? I wrote an email to our employees and I asked our black leaders, what, before I said, what do you think of this? And they, they helped me make it better, Frank. Another great supporter of UW, Howard B.R. from Starbucks says, leadership is about getting in touch with your values. And it, it's, uh, that, that's a moment. I, did, I knew I liked it, but I didn't know what it meant. But something like that happens, racial, the whole racial justice, racial equity phenomenon. And you, you say, I got to figure out my, our people expect me to say something that comforts them and tells them where the company's going. And some people are going to like it and some aren't. But it, before I can write anything on that paper, I got to figure out what I believe about that. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. And it's such a learning opportunity over the last, you know, six to eight months with the social unrest that we've all experienced. This yeah. is such an important area for all of us, especially those of us that uh, sit in privileged positions right. to learn yeah. and to listen and to then act to help others. And we talked about helping others. And, and I know that uh, at Alaska that, that you've taken initiatives to do that as well. Do you have, Brad, a, a role model that has played a particularly important role in your life? I'll tell you, honestly, I, I wasn't going to mention this, but one that I, uh, this is a historical figure, but Abraham Lincoln, if you, uh, there's a book called Team of Rivals, I would recommend it to anybody. He, my reading of this, and you have people at UW that know this way better than I do, but my reading is he wasn't anybody's pick to be president. He was everybody's second choice. And he, he got picked only be, sort of because of his mediocrity, right? He was like, he would, no, nobody loved him, but everyone could tolerate him. So they, he became president. And then all of these front runners in the different factions became his cabinet. And he, that's the, that's, he built this team of rivals and, and they were all, he was a low ego guy. They were all high ego people. My sense, and I probably am wrong in this, but he didn't, he had not resolved his feelings about slavery. He hadn't resolved his feelings about the North and the South, but he decided that we, he put us into the civil war and he did end slavery. And it's, it's a, it's a super powerful message. And, and I just, I, I love that. Uh, Bill Ayer is another, uh, I want to mention another just extraordinary role model for me. I was his CFO and in a lot of ways, I think that was sort of my prime time. 9-11 um, came, the industry, all the airlines filed for bankruptcy. We did not. We restructured Alaska outside of bankruptcy and I was the CFO and I did a lot of work with the labor unions to sort of help create the new model and sell the model and bring people along and and I, I, what I learned from him is passion, love, focus on the, focus on the, the cause, focus on the company. Don't focus on yourself. 
and I, I'll just, I, I, you're the business school, so I got to say it, but I, I love following Warren Buffett. He's uh, the, just the Berkshire Hathaway model, sort of decentralized capital allocation, mm-hmm. find great leaders and let them, let them run. Yeah, one of the things I greatly respect about Abraham Lincoln, and I don't know if people know this a lot, is he did a tremendous amount of research before his talks and before he did any writing. Mm-hmm. And so when you read his writings, they're very clear and very logical, but that's partly because he did such in-depth research before because he really wanted to be able to convince people uh, to act in certain ways and felt like he needed to understand both sides to do that. Brad, you're a commercial pilot yourself. I guess that comes in handy if a pilot calls in sick, you call the CEO. (laughs) Not so much. (laughs) Can can you share a bit about your passion for flying and, and perhaps how lessons you've learned in flying may apply to your your leadership yeah and i i didn't know this until uh just before we started but you are a pilot also yes uh so you'll we, we could talk through this but um i do think that uh like we were talking to a young person about to graduate from the foster school i think one real lesson is is get yourself into a business that you love and that you're passionate about and i i love flying i i do remember soloing at Renton Airport when I was 18 years old. And uh, I was in a Cessna 152. And, and, and I, I just, rem- my instructor was a sort of a heavier guy. And, and then this, he didn't tell me, say, when I get out of the airplane, it's going to be a lot lighter. And this airplane is going to jump off the runway. <laughs> and it did jump off the runway when I soloed. And I just loved everything about it. And so honestly, it's been, I, I figured out in Alaska that it's really a people business. It's like the the airplanes and the jet engines and all of that is sort of the bonus, but it really is a people business. But I did I did get into a business that I love, and so that's that's one learning. One of the things that I love about aviation is that there's so much. I I I love flying airplanes, and the piloting is really fun. But the engineers have done so much uh, in the space between Bernoulli, who figured out what a wing was and how lift works, to the person that designed a piston engine or a turbine engine to the people that design these fabulous avionics and flight controls. And, and you can, like, you will fly the airplane better if you understand the way it was built better. And, and so there's sort of the, 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 the passion sort of feeds the curiosity or the curiosity feeds the passion. Yeah, those certainly resonate with me. I learned to fly out of a Cessna 152 out of Boeing Field. So nice. <laughs> not far from where you learned. What year did you learn? I learned to fly in the late 80s out of Boeing Field. And Brad, I will tell you the thing that I come back to many times that I've learned from flying is precision of communication. Mm -hmm. So you know when you fly that you say something and then the person you say it to says it back to you just to make sure you're both on the same page. And I think that's so important as we communicate with people that we say what we mean and then they repeat it back so that we're clear on where we're headed. Yeah. I mean, for, for your listeners, I totally agree. And I've used that example many times, but if I'm ready to taxi, it would say, who am I talking to? So I say, Boeing ground, who am I? This is TBM 738 Tango Sierra. Where am I? I'm at the Northeast ramp area. And what do I want? I would like to taxi to runway one four right. And you can, and it's, it's you, and you can say it in 10 or 12 seconds. They say, November 738 Tango Sierra, clear to taxi. Taxi via alpha to one four right. And it, it's, uh, and if that happens, that's, it's, a, it's magic. It's, it's, yeah. uh, and it, it's not easy. You sort of have to train yourself, but I, 
I often think we'd be better in the business world if we could communicate that tightly. Yep, I think of it as aviation poetry. Yeah, oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Last question, Brad, What what's next for Brad Tilden? I'm gonna be busy. I'm super involved with the Boy Scouts. They're going through a, a very difficult bankruptcy, but it's an organization I really believe in. Uh, I'm, on, I'm the finance chair there and I'm sort of involved with the bankruptcy working group, but I'll spend a lot of time there. We have a terrific family. We've got three adult children, a fantastic dog that uh, I love being around. But I, I, as I've sort of thought about the, this date coming, I, I realized I've been a taker, not a giver to my family for a long time. My wife has sort of helped hold everything together and it's time for me to make some more dinners and to <laughs> run to the store and me be the one to take the dog for a walk. I will do a lot more flying. Um, I, I'm... Uh, you and I haven't talked about this, but there's a sort of a Piper Cub uh, look-alike airplane. It's called a Cub Crafter. That, uh, that, that there's a builder assist model where you build the airplane yourself in conjunction with the factory. So mm -hmm. you sort of get their quality standards with you understanding exactly how the airplane was put together and built. The best answer is we'll figure it out. You know, it's yeah. like I, I look forward to answering the question myself. But, um, like it's, we talked about growth earlier in this conversation. I, it's, I have been 30 years at Alaska. It's been 30 of the most amazing years of my life, but I, for the organization to grow, for Ben Minicucci to grow, for our board, our, our other leaders, and honestly, for me to grow, the, the right thing is to sort of do this uh, refreshment and sort of move us all into a, a, an environment where we're all, where we will all grow some more. Well, figuring it out is certainly part of the beauty of the journey. Brad, thank you for sharing your expertise and wisdom with us today. Thanks so much. I've really enjoyed it. I wish you well. You're doing a fantastic job as dean. I'm super proud to be an alum. I, uh, I wish all those foster school uh, students the very best. If we can help you at Alaska Airlines, please give us a shot at, uh, at, at coming to us and, and allowing us to help you. But um, it's been fun and I'm, I'm looking forward to the future. Thank you and thank you for your partnership. Be safe. Yeah, you too. Thank you.